So I remember a time I was 12 years old. I was with the entire family, all five of us. We were living on the boat and we were in Fiji. This was the first kind of boat trip that we had done on this boat that my dad had designed and my parents had built in sort of the previous five years. And we had been pulled out of school and we were doing this kind of blend of homeschool and what's called correspondence school where you actually follow a bit of a curriculum. The way the day would go is we would wake up, have breakfast. Uh, there might be some jobs to do early, something like that. And then we would do our study from 8 a.m. to about 1 p.m. or so. Uh, we found that it was kind of the maximum amount that we could hold attention. And also it opened up the rest of the day to do other activities, to go adventuring, uh, to go meet other people, whatever. And once we finished the study each day, I remember craving two things specifically. One was to go into the ocean, to go spearfishing or to go surfing, to go do something in the ocean or to go ashore. And then the other was to interact with people. As we all kind of sit in this COVID-19 semi-isolated situation, you can kind of imagine it's like a cabin fever fever feeling. It's very much like that. Uh, you're just craving to interact with other people outside of your kind of immediate family. So I remember jumping into this little gray dinghy and I would row my way across the anchorage. I'd find some random boat and I would knock on the side of the boat and I'd find out the story. What are they up to? Where do they come from? And basically what I would do is try and tee up uh, a dinner. So they would often be an older couple and I would invite them over to our boat or you know, I might see if we could get over into their boat one way or another, I was just leaning into this interaction. I wanted to find out more about these people, talk to different people, find out their story. And this one time, I remember a guy coming on board our boat. Him and his partner came over. And my dad was always quite particular. He was quite uh, impeccable with his work. So he was very proud of, of building uh, sort of immaculate kind of interior. So the, the cabinetry, this was all done by hand. A lot of work went into building this project. And so this guy stepped on board and this would happen quite often. People would step on board and he noticed the quality of the work. And he would kind of look around this whole sort of project and ask a few questions and he'd find out that dad had designed it and built it. And I remember he ended up offering dad a job. And it was at a pretty high level over in his company in Australia, which was a composite uh, construction or composite materials company, because we had built the boat from a similar type of material, the hull of the boat. And he was so impressed with the work that the project was enough for him to offer a position. So my dad didn't take the position, but I remember this ended up happening a number of times. It would be a job opportunity, it would be uh, an opportunity to consult or to help design another boat. It was on and on and on. And what I remember realizing was that this project was in a way a form of a CV. And it was basically a way for people to see and understand how he was able to put this together. And today I want to talk a little bit about projects and shipping projects, creating projects that go out into the world and how powerful they might be. And then 
kind of flesh out a little bit of how you could get started on projects because a lot of us were indoctrinated with the CV way of growing up or way of building our career or our jobs, doing courses, doing workshops, uh, looking for letters after our name. And this is a very, very different way of educating ourselves, which involved school, involved university. It was a degree, it was a course, it was a natural flow or a way of learning that provided us with a certificate, uh, with some sort of letters after our name, with some sort of grade or marks at the end of it. And for a lot of us, this is how we learned. This is how we kind of grew and how we progressed in our culture or in our profession. And for a lot of us, it's how we still progress. Now, a project, uh, on the contrary, is in my mind, something that we play an active role in designing and creating. So there's not necessarily a prerequisite or a requirement that we complete this thing, but we see opportunity. And it starts with this noticing, this observation that there's a change that we can make in the culture. There's something that we could create that could positively impact uh, the world around us or the situation or the environment or our business or maybe even our family. So we notice this opportunity. And then from there, we take an active role in either designing this project, creating the project, actually executing on it, or at a minimum, organizing the people who are involved who can help us to create this project and get this thing done. The other aspect of a project is that we don't get to consider it a project until it's been shipped. And this concept of the word shipped is uh, comes from uh, kind of, I guess, a hero of mine, Seth Godin, who obviously a lot of you will know uh, from his work in marketing and the books that he has written and the work that he has done. But the concept to ship is to release the project out into the world, is to generously give the project to the people. Obviously, shipping something uh, opens us up to a lot of criticism it's a vulnerable move it's a brave move because the alternative is that we can keep the project hidden at home and keep it to ourselves for fear of that criticism if we keep the thing locked up it's not shipped and technically speaking it's not really a project that's completed so a project is this kind of finite time frame with a ship date it's something that we create or have an active role in creating and it's not often given to us by a governing body or a large organization that you know forces us to do something. So we have this active role in creation or uh, this active sort of posture in initiating the whole thing. So when we contrast this concept of projects with CVs, with courses, with workshops, we see something really interesting. Uh, when I was growing up, so I was born in 85, so I finished school in around 2000, then went through to university, and the marks that you had on the test, the results that you got from your courses and from your degree were the status upgrade. So when I was at university, the main focus for us, for our culture, was to get good grades. There were other things happening, there were other projects going along on the side but the way of thinking that I had at the time was that the marks from the degree were primary and then the projects that I was doing on the side were secondary. And generally speaking, this would work out. When we finished the degree, we could apply for the jobs, you'd get 
offerings for an interview and then you go from there. Now, we sit in 2020 and things have changed a little bit. We have so many people coming out with the courses, so many people coming out with the certificates that the next question is what are the projects that you have done? Because the market has become saturated at the course level, we now open the door to look at projects as the modern form of CVs. So of course, I'm not the first person to talk about this. This is a very uh, common or modern way of thinking. Yet still, because I get to work with so many small business owners, we're often seeing the course mindset or the educational mindset still overpowering the project-based mindset. So what do I mean by that? Well, if you're just starting out in business or you're creating something, you've come out of uh, maybe you want to be a um, health and wellness, maybe it's yoga teacher or strength trainer, something of that nature. There's typical progressions to go through in terms of education. And what's happened in 2020 is there are thousands of people coming through those same channels with equal or greater skill sets. So you've got kind of two options. One is to be top of the class in those areas and still push for positions. And it can still work out. But typically what's happening is the people who are filling those positions no longer just care about your ranking in those classes or what letters or courses you've done or what's behind your name. We're now looking as employers, as people who want to do joint ventures or collaborations, we're looking for the string of projects that are behind your name. What have you actually created? So this sets up the modern form of CV. The project list is your, is your CV. It is the things that you've actually done and actually released out into the world. So the other cool thing about projects is that they're actually, by their very nature, an asset. So if you design a boat and you build a boat and you invest all of this time and energy into the creation of this project, the boat becomes an asset. It becomes something that you take with you and people are able to see it and feel it and touch it and notice it. And this can become not just your CV and open up opportunity, but also something that you can show. It's a reputational asset. And then oftentimes it can be sold as well uh, or it could generate other financial opportunity. It can be a tangible asset as well. When we contrast this with the old school way of thinking, if you go through the course, you have the letters behind your name. This is, yes, a reputational asset in some circles, although this is diminishing and it's not a tangible asset in other ways. So it doesn't typically involve, let's say, a network effect uh, or a tangible asset or another intangible asset or kind of gift that you could forward to other people or spread to other people. So if we look at this concept of asset, it opens up the doors to a bunch of different types of projects. So here's where we get to talk about a few different options that you might have, a few ways to kind of get your brain thinking about, okay, how can I start to create some projects and use this way of thinking alongside the course I'm doing, the professional development that I'm doing. So a couple of different assets, and we've talked about these before, that would also be considered as projects as well. And most of the time they will correlate and there'll be kind of an overlap there. Uh, if you're a small business owner or you're getting started in businesses, one is is a, um, 
is an information asset, so a digital asset. So we talk about this uh, in the Access Potential Academy program. This could be an ebook. This could be a podcast series. Uh, it's something that sits on the site, a video series. We you just unlock a whole bunch of educational content for the people that you want to serve. A whole bunch of value. Uh, this could be entertainment value, it could be educational value, as I just mentioned, or it could be any other kind of value as well. But really where you're just uncovering a lot more than is the status quo. So you're just giving away a lot of information and you're putting in a lot of work to compile this asset so that it has enough value that it spreads sideways and it gives people something to talk about. So this would be a, a project that's based around your profession. It could be an ebook, it could be a podcast series, it could be a video series, something where you put it all together in one place and then allow it to be shipped uh, and distributed then. And this can also build, it's not just a digital asset, but this would be building a reputational asset as well because if the work is good, you will become known for that work that you've done. Another uh, option for a project could be something like a function. So, you know, a get together, it could be a meeting, it could be a summit that you're the creator of, that you're the organizer. Uh, you bring people together. One of the really cool things about bringing people together is that you don't ever get left out. So it's a good way to stay involved. Um, you become the creator and this would be a great uh, network effect Project So this would connect people laterally and build a great sort of reputational asset for you as the creator, build a lot of trust, um, and you would also become known as the person who put this thing together. So that's kind of like an offline version. Uh, we could go on and on. Speaking gigs would be other ones. You could create a product. Um, you could collaborate and create a collaboration or a joint venture with someone else. You could do any number of different types of events or fundraisers. And this becomes a list of projects that you have behind your name. So it could be a, you know, as we as we move forward, we can see that we in our wake can have this track record, not of a CV or course or workshop, but of eBooks, of blog posts, of videos that we've done, of content that we've created, of speaking gigs that we put together, of functions that we've collaborated on. And we become known as the person who ships, as the person who puts the things out into the world, not just as the educational person who learns. So there's, as you can see, a, a element of fear, uh, an element of vulnerability that's involved in creating these projects or assets. And that's why they're so powerful. And that's why they can be such an edge because a lot of people shy away from these. So, in my mind, you know, one of the things I love to do is to, to see people's projects, what they've actually done. Uh, to me, in a, in a big way, I suppose, your ability to have created and produced projects uh, is directly linked to your ability to get in the arena, to get on the court, to confront your own fear, to show vulnerability in your work, to do the work, to move past distraction and to get the stuff out there. So it's all well and good to talk about concepts, to read books, to listen to podcasts, but what I really love to see and what is so powerful to us as a culture is to see people on the court and doing the work and creating these projects. The other thing that is very cool about these projects is that they get us out of what I call 
teacup thinking. So teacup thinking is when we get trapped in this mental emotional state in thinking that the things that matter uh, include all of the small metrics. So in teacup thinking, we start to focus on, uh, you know, social media metrics, subscriber numbers. Uh, we start to look at small metrics on a high frequency basis as if this is the main work. And in reality, that's far from the truth. The small metrics, the things that are happening with the content creation, the engagement, the social media, is the communication for the bigger projects. So it's a communication for brand or the business or uh, you know the operation. It's it's one element, but the actual metrics themselves are not the goal. And when we put our energy into a project, it allows us a way to take a big bite into something tangible, something that we can really work on, something that we can invest this mental emotional energy and show up powerfully and stop getting distracted by this teacup thinking. Uh, so what do we do? How do we come up with the projects? If the nature of the project is such that typically we need to have an active involvement in creating them and in coming up with that sort of first step. Well, the first question is, uh, you know, who do I want to serve? Who am I working with? Who are the people that I serve? Who do I, um, who's involved in my community? Who's involved in my business? Who buys my product? Who buys my service? Uh, who do I want to help? And we can start off thinking about these people, cultivating empathy for the people. Uh, the next question is we can start to listen to these people. And what will happen is when we're in conversation, we listen to them, we'll start to hear the same things pop up. And it might be some questions about uh, something that you do in your product, something you do in your service. And we can take these questions and flesh them out, put them up on a board, put them on post-it notes, and start to look at how we could create an asset or a project that might help to solve some of these questions or some of these issues or pain points that we're seeing with our culture, with the people that we work with. So that's the first thing is to start off on the human level, start with the people that you serve. The second question is really, where do I want to go? You know, what do I want to do? What's the change that I want to make with these people? And this is obviously going to be linked to the questions that they have, but this sets the tone for what you're going to create. You know, do you want to create a big connected event with a lot of people getting together? Do you want to make a big online mastermind? Do you want to create a course uh, that allows people to level up and to learn more as leaders? What is the change that you're wanting to create and how do you want these people to feel in this change? The next step, of course, is um, what's something exciting that I can create? So you want to, need to want to be, you need to be excited about what it is that you're going to build. Uh, and then that will allow you to cultivate the energy and the passion behind it. So for example, if you absolutely hate getting behind a camera to create a video blog project where you're going to spill the beans on your industry and you know create a whole bunch of educational value is probably not going to be something that you're excited about. You probably would prefer to create some long form copy or uh, you know some text based resources around that instead of video. So it needs to be something that fits in with your uh, psyche, your personality, the thing that you love to do. 
Then the last step is you need to identify what's called the ship date. So a lot of people get excited by ideas. As we know, ideas are cheap and uh, they're a dime a dozen. And so the, the ship date puts us on the line. The ship date uh, is the date which this thing needs to go out. And we need to recognize that this is a little bit different from a goal because the project is usually a little bit smaller and the limiting factor for the creation and shipping of these projects is nine times out of 10 our own narrative. So a lot of people get halfway through and they hit the resistance, they wanna stop or they get towards the end and then refrain from shipping this, refrain from actually seeing it out to the world because it's not perfect. And so the ship date needs to be uh, firm for these smaller projects. We need to raise accountability for that and necessity for that so that we can get the stuff out uh, on the day that we say. And this creates a positive cycle, allows us to continue forward and then create the next project. So that's it for today. I wanted to throw this idea out there, start to get some of you thinking about projects more heavily uh, because they're going to be not just a personal asset for you and your business, but also pretty much the only way to differentiate. So if somebody wanted to work with me or wanted to help me uh, or wanted to collaborate on something, the very first thing I would do after I met with them and talked to them is to inquire as to what they've done, what, what's, what's their work been in the past. And if it's all educational based or if they really just have a lot of language or the ability to talk about things, uh, it's going to be a lot more difficult for us to move forward. If, however, on the other side, they're able to show a string of projects behind them, what they've actually created or they played an active role in shipping, it tells me that they have learned to move through the resistance, move to the, through the fear and uh, stick to a timeline and have some element of project management skills and initiative to be able to get this thing out there into the world. So that's it for today, a little bit on projects. If you have any questions on this stuff in particular, send along john at johntmarsh.com. Love to hear what your projects are, what you're working on, what some of your ideas might be uh, for things that you could create in your business, your industry, your part of the culture. Thanks so much for listening. See you in the next one.